You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode 22 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. I'm Rob, I think. <laughs> it's been a rough week. It's been like a rough – since you know, I'm going to say since last Wednesday. Yeah, since one week ago, it's yeah. been rough. It's been weird shit's happened. Like people got injured and – Oh, the, the toilet incident. Oh, the, yeah, the plumbing and oh, all kinds yeah. of stuff. It was ah, people were sick. I mean, it was just none of the shit I wanted. So, well, let's look on the bright side. We've got Kate's feeling better this week. We do, we do. Uh, so apparently, the Nyquil shots worked. Woot woot. Yes, yes, it did. Thank, thank, thank. <laughs> yeah, we'll call those Nyquil. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're not sure what they were, but they were G- Nyquil. Jim B makes Nyquil now. Apparently, they I'm do. Still asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, we're here in the studio recording uh, recording another episode of our podcast. Episode we got, 22. We got to play some D&D last week. We did. We did. Sadly, we didn't get to play Mouse Guard because my brain exploded. You know what? It's, going it's and... fine. It's fine. We'd also like to welcome Knox. We hear you. We hear you. We see you in live show, show chat. Um, so welcome hey, to live show chat because you can do that. That's what you get with Patreon. That is a Patreon thing. All right. So uh, we have a whole topic to go over. We finally shifted out of the oddities. Yep. And moved into geography. Geography. Which honestly is okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, here's the I mean, thing. It's, 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 an, it's an interesting topic, but I think a lot of the discussion tonight is going to center around what you don't need to do yeah and not what you do need to do i think you put it really good at dinner because i I will flat out say audience i did not prepare for this show (laughs) i was like geography i've got all this stuff going on she's just like don't worry about it i got this i got this and i read it i'm like this is all great stuff but the one thing that sticks in my head is this is like not that important and then i thought about what you said at dinner and i was like you're right Whenever I, you know, whenever you think about D and D, or you think about a game, you know, where you've got minis and people marching all over the place, you think of maps, and you think of how cool it is to have maps and stuff. And there's mm-hmm. these epic terrain building programs where you can make awesome looking maps and like campaign cartographer kind of stuff. And then in the end, when you get to doing it, you're like, where do I put crap? Yeah. And and I think what it comes right down to is it doesn't really matter. Like that's cool stuff for later. Mm-hmm. But I think initially it really doesn't matter all that much. I mean, in the case of um, uh, some game systems mm-hmm. um, like Urban Shadows, mm-hmm. you build the world together. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you the, literally make a map together to know where certain haunts are. But the locations are scene based. You're not traveling from location to location. Exactly. And, it, and uh, Dungeon World even says in its in its manual there, like yeah. leave. It's like it's a it's a almost a rule. Like yeah. it's it says leave blank spots on the map mm-hmm. because you'll decide what happens as the story goes. And you've got yeah. this nice big blank spot. And okay, well, what's there? Mm-hmm. What what do we need to be there? An ice castle? Something of the Ice Queen? Sure. Okay, that's what's there now. Great. Awesome. Yeah. You know. Built out from where you start. So mm-hmm. let's 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 hit through this and then hit some questions because like I'm kind of in the mood to answer questions today. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, when you're talking about geography, uh, the okay. So 
like I said earlier, the a lot of this discussion is going to be about what you don't need to do. Correct. Okay? It's mostly it's about limiting yourself because when we're talking about physical geography of world building, mm-hmm. okay, that's literally everything. And um, when you're getting going with your world building and such like that and you start thinking about your geography, it can get very overwhelming very quick to think – Oh God! I have to map all of this stuff. I need to know what every nook and every cranny of this world and right. possibly other worlds even looks like. And you see all these great elaborate maps, especially like if you watch Critical Role, they've got these really professionally done maps of the different oh, yeah. regions and whatnot and stuff like that. Because they have artists. Um, <laughs> you crack open your uh, your guide to the Sword Coast, and oh, it's yeah. got this beautiful map of Faerun, which in is there, awesome, and all sorts of roads and forests and little settlements. And oh look, there's Neverwinter, and oh look, there's Baldur's Gate, and yeah. oh look, there's there's uh, water deep and it can be very overwhelming and very intimidating and then on and the other side of that you've got like the one i think one link that i threw up which was um it's a guy who literally does it by astrometrics like he's like oh you want two sons okay well let's let's do some math to figure out what the story of your world is and he mm-hmm. literally maths out how that's possible mm-hmm. and then from that could figure out what the mass of the world was. And then based on the mass, that told us how much water and how much heavy metals and what kind of resources. Okay, so now we know the resources. We can say, obviously, advanced civilizations could come out of this because there's lots of resources on this. And it was like, well, that's a lot to think about that you just came up from the fact of two suns and a temperate world. Hmm. Yeah. You that's need great. A, I don't have an astrophysics degree, though. So I'm not going to be doing that. Right, right. But I was just – I was like, that's really cool because he yeah. literally showed the math behind Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. Oh, it is cool. But at the same time, I'm like, I already have a world. I I don't need to like make the astrophysics work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, I and, think that's great. And but... nobody at my table is going to call me on that. They're not going to be like, well, excuse me. I'm sorry. But my astrophysics degree says that this world can't have this level of resources to it. It's just not going to happen. I need to go. <laughs> oh yeah exactly okay. bye, bye bye um all right so, so let's, let's okay. scope this stuff out. so the the most important thing then is figuring out what the scope of your world is okay how much do you actually need and limit yourself because like i said if you stare into the void you will it, you, you can you can fill that void all day but uh it's it's just really not necessary so <clears throat> Um, think of the things that are important, uh, to where your setting is. Like if you're building in a city, um, obviously you want to define that city. You may not even necessarily need to map the city, but you kind of want to know what the city's about. Does it have, you know, a shipping district? Does it have a guild district? Does it have like a rich people district or some sort of like a poor people district to it? Yeah. You know, things like that. Where does it kind of sit on your map? Is it a port city? Is it an inland city? Things like that. Or even look at like your player base if they've got backgrounds. Like literally if if they're not even very good – not good. Let me rephrase that. Even if they're not experienced role players who come up and give you a nine-page essay of the background of their Mm -hmm. character, you know – they say through their selected backgrounds, you know, based on the game, it might give you a little bit of history on them. You could say, oh, so you grew up as a blacksmith. Yeah. Okay. Well, can you give me uh, an idea of what the area of your town looked like? And you can incorporate that mm-hmm. right into the map. And I mean, like I said, with Urban Shadows, you literally create the world together. And I think that that's kind of a neat way to start things off. Mm-hmm. I think it gives your players a huge base to start from as well as if you can help that use that information to help incorporate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let that but don't go beyond world it. building. Right. 
Um, and then, you know, after that, you kind of feather out your details. Um, you know, you, you, you may want to know things about the surrounding countryside that your, uh, that your city takes place in. Sure. You know, if, if it's coastal, yep. is this the coast of a sea or is mm-hmm. this the coast of the ocean? Yep. Is it along a river or something like that? You know, you define that. Sure. You may want to define what the outside area is. Like, is it, is it in a deeply forested mm-hmm. area? Is it nestled into the mountains, et right. cetera? What's kind of around there? Mm-hmm. But after that, your details can start getting real damn sketchy. Yeah. Because I mean, until it becomes necessary. Like, if mm-hmm. your players have been playing in the area for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, is the weather changing? Mm-hmm. You know? Is it getting colder? Is it getting warmer? Sure. You know? Are they traveling north because it's getting drier? Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting into the dry season. You know, are they helping a caravan leave to another area? Is that a way that you're helping them move from one area to another? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a settlement or a resettlement? Are they going – if they're on the sea, are they traveling from colder waters to warmer waters? You know, those kind of things can have an impact if – because a lot of times people think of um, – Think of campaigns as very static. I have a world. It has land. It has mountains. It has lakes. It has rivers. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily think about how the people are going to travel on that. And But yet when you're dealing with a sea-based world or even a space-based, mm-hmm. you still have to think about how are they traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, So what routes are you giving them? What routes are there optional to them? Mm-hmm. You know, And then how do those – how are those going to look and feel? What is the tactileness of those of of where they're traveling mm-hmm. and how that's going to get them there? Because yeah, I absolutely. think that really makes a, a much bigger difference when you can say, you know, you make your way down to the port and the cold spray of the water hits you. You can see the ships are lightly covered in frost that are coming into port because as you look out and out, the bits of ice drift into port mm-hmm. uh, as the winter cold starts catching in. You're like, oh, well, I guess I'm not leaving by sea or if I am, we're leaving now. Right, you know, right. Kind of a thing. So, you know, you're setting that stage as much as you set it at going into the woods and saying, you know, the death of the woods as you drift into fall shows that there will be little foraging left. Mm-hmm. You know, now you're setting that stage and you're giving them, okay, well, there's going to be less animals and there's going to be less things to forage for and it's woods, but it's also going to be thinner woods. So it might be able to see a little bit further, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So you're setting those stages, but you have to know what's there and what's beyond those woods. Yeah, absolutely. And it's again, scene to scene. You don't, you don't need to have every square acre of every forest to know everybody who's going to be in it. Just, you know. Right. What kind of encounters are going to happen there if you're going to run through it? And that's that's I think one of the important things too is that I think you're in my experience, and I think in yours as well. I think so we were discussing this at uh, at dinner is that um, the the players rarely remember that it was 15 miles to get through the woods. Right. You know, they just remember that as they were going through those woods, it took them a while to get through. And as they were there, they got jumped by orcs. Correct. And remember that time that Thorgar cracked that, that guy's skull wide open right. with that crit? That was awesome. Yep, yep. And then now you know there are orcs in the woods. Right. So now you've got to make that note to say, okay, well, I did an orc thing here. Where do those orcs come from? Did they come from the mountains? Mm-hmm. Did they crash land in a meteor strike that mm-hmm. happened just north of here? And now when they get there, there's going to be meteor holes. Yeah, I'm reading. You you got this, Knox. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which would also explain the flying cows because they were there in the field when the meteor hit and that's why there's now cow debris everywhere. So um, that being said, you have to know what's one step beyond, what's yeah. just on the perimeter and keep track. And consistency is the key. Exactly. exactly. If you keep no it consistent, what you're building, know the consistency truth. Consistency is the key. That's right. So, all right. We talked a lot about what you 
Thank don't. You. Yes, need. canon. Um, it's. I, I've seen. I've also seen a lot of things online of like, uh, they're ge- like random generators. That oh yeah. Give you like the exact population of a town. Oh god. And, like yeah. the exact population breakdown. Like seventy-five percent human, twelve percent elves. There are twelve carpenters and twenty-four priests and seventeen cobblers. Like, I have never ever been in a game where that is even remotely important information um i mean more power to the people who cook those things up for you and i mean every tool you make available online is is, is good i suppose clearly you've never done an orbital strike yeah. <laughs> i guess i guess i mean i i and would we come say around to exterminatus again I, I, forward 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 <laughs> that's right so i mean i'm i'm saying that that can be important and i think uh-huh. it's great that they give you that information sure, the more power sure. to them the more information they give you but i don't think it's necessary for every game yeah but they're they're putting it out there for the fact that it's a well-rounded Design. They're mm-hmm. they're giving it to you for all the options that could possibly come up. Yes, yeah. Grunthar's uh you know store of ultimate finding is there, but also there's a population of twenty percent elves, and you know elves in your world are shunned. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's going to be an interesting kind of racist point to be in for Grunthar. You know. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe there's maybe there's some some things going on there. But, yeah. You know. Gives you some gives you food for thought. I think that's what a lot of the generators do for me. Mm-hmm. Is is that I'll do a random generation, then I'll look at it and I'll go, okay, I'm seeing this ink blot. What is it telling me for my story? Yeah, that's and I a think, really good way of putting it. They're like Rorschach, exactly. Rorschach tests. And what, they, do, what do you see in it? They just help you mm-hmm. see something more. They give you another, I guess, point of inspiration. They're they're bardic inspiration for us storytellers. Yeah, they give us just like hey. I have no idea what to do with this town. Random generator. Mm-hmm. Eh, that didn't give it to me. Uh, random store generator. Oh, I kind of like that guy's name. And oh, there's oh, there's a potion of that here. Okay, I now know what's going on in this town. These are a bunch of thieves. They're here to murder everyone because right. actually the town is run – used to be a wonderful mining town. But now it's completely run by a group of disguised thieves who are all under the control of a illithid. There we go. There you go. You know, and now That's I have. I, I literally just came out of nowhere because mm-hmm. a couple generators helped me come up with an idea. Yep. So, don't let those generators be overwhelming to you. Let them be amused. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like you like, did, like, like Rorschach or like some tarot cards. Yeah. Just, just see what you see in them. Yep. And then you know, use it or don't. Uh, all right. So we talked a lot about what you shouldn't do, and what information to discard, and what to ignore. <laughs> But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, actually like if you do want to make the maps, if you do want to make uh, you know your realistic uh, sort of world and stuff like that, you want to actually start mapping things out because I, I still think it's it's useful to do. I just don't sure. think you should stress about it. No, like you should know that there are mountains to the north. Oh and, yeah, and maybe give them a cool name, but like don't worry about like what the population of those mountains are or you know what monster random encounter is going to be there unless the PCs are going through them. You know. Um, so make it realistic enough to make sense, but don't stress out about realism, I think is the general rule of thumb for it. Um, there's a lot of like, I mean, there are geologists and, you know, I'm sure several other ancillary professions around geologists that I don't know the the, the proper names for, um, who could tell you all sorts of stuff about how certain terrain features come to be. 
mm-hmm. from mountain ranges to vast forests to river basins to um, you know plateaus, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I'm sure that they could they could point out you know hundreds of thousands of years worth of geological change that makes them the way that they are and the reason that they are in the places that they are. Thank. That, by the way, thank you, Sean, for the uh, the video. Please watch this later. I, I know which one this is. I've seen this. Okay. <laughs> it's great. On the uh, at the same time, it's a lot that you don't need. So, uh, but it's literally what you're talking about yeah. right now. It's it's the <clears throat> hey, let's let's do the math behind creating a biome, pretty uh-huh. much. And it's like, oh man, yeah. And it's it's just it's it's too much. So I mean, you you kind of want to make things like I said re- realistic enough that they make sense. But not don't like don't stress about realism. No, no. You know, if you want to have if you want to have a big desert right in the middle of your of your uh, of your jungle because you've got a good reason for it, then you've got a good reason for it. That's great. Put it there. Like, don't worry about whether the fact that there be a gigantic dry spot in the middle of a, in the middle of a vast you know uh, 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 rainforest. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, if if there's a reason in your world for it, put it there. You know. Right. Right. Um, but keep in mind that consistency is better than realism. You know, way better. Yeah, if you've got a reason for it, put it there because that that's what makes that's what's going to make the interesting story about it. Correct. I mean, I'll give it. I'll give an example. Um, when I was originally creating my last D and D world, mm-hmm. I created whole cloth. I wanted something new, but I needed something that fit and made sense that combined all the players' needs in it. And so I had to figure out like. Okay, so how am I going to create a world? So I'm like, I'm going to go start with a continent, a single continent. I'm not going to worry about the rest of the world. And so I quickly s- sketched together what I needed, which was I needed a capital for humans, a capital for elves, a capital for orcs, because uh, each of them had certain reasons to be there. Mm-hmm. And then I also needed to have yeah. a good uh, reason to have them be separated. And so I created biome zones to do that Mm -hmm. and then beyond that i left it all blank the rest of the page was all blank until it was starting to be discovered by the players Mm -hmm. uh and as i went encounter to encounter i basically filled in those voids yep um all the way till they found your character which Mm -hmm. was kind of an area that i had set up but then we figured out who you were and that fit right in and then did it again when you made your second character Mm -hmm. and so it never really occurred to me that it was important until much later that I ne- I needed to see the whole world because of a change that was coming to the world. Mm-hmm. And I went, I needed, I, the change was going to be there for my final act, which is still going to come up here in a few months. Um, but I needed to see the world. And that's when I actually created a world map. Right. And, and I had you help me out with that. Yeah. And it wasn't until then that I actually mapped the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. I had it in my head kind of where things were, but mm-hmm. it wasn't necessary. It wasn't even important. I didn't even have roads. Because they weren't necessary. Yeah. Getting from place to place was a sketch here and there to you guys to let you know which general direction you were going. You were like, here's this big city, and it's in the southeast. Right. Okay, cool. Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah. This is what it looks like. This is how it feels. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's literally what you ended up with. Uh Uh-huh. So I I don't think it's necessary (gasps) if it – if it's stressing you out as a storyteller that you feel like you need to get it done Mm -hmm. before everything is good. I think you need to take a step back. I think that's the biggest problem that I have with maps is that it, it appears to be easy, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's it's harder to try to fill out the details because you're never done. 
Yeah. It's writing its own story. There's there's always minutia. There's always little side stories and plots and yeah. societies you can build and worrying about what's the economic reason for this society to be set up in this little corner of this fort. Like, yeah. buddy, unless the PCs are there, it does not matter, you know? Yeah. So just be consistent and try and have it make some sense. Mm-hmm. Don't let that sense be hidden. Remember, this is background. The background should just click for the players. Yep. The only things that should be mysterious or questioning or anything is the foreground plot. And then those discoveries should be made verbally. Mm-hmm. Everything else that's done through description or through you're traveling through the lands is fact. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Because if you ever are giving your, your players hints and, and ideas and things through the description of places, you're doing them a disservice because they may not all be listening and they may gloss over that. No different than if you're reading through a book and, you know, it's talking about certain characteristics until the player, until the actor or the player is interacting with it. It's fact. It's it's just what's there. Yeah. It's the truth of what's there. Good old uh, Robert Jordan catches a lot of flack for that. For he does. describing every, you know, thread of a tapestry that's hanging on the wall behind the person who's, you know, important in the scene. But is he like, staring at it? I mean, sometimes, but... Other times, you right. know, very much no. I mean, he just – he goes into a lot of detail because it's there. Right. And and it, it very much – That's I mean, it's, great. It's, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, yes, it very much flushes out the world. It's amazing sure. world building. He has thought about the reason for every detail of right. every piece of wood trim in the castle in, sure. this, in you know, in, in Kyrian, you know. But does it matter but, to the physical story? But it – but it kind of doesn't. And it shouldn't. That's what I'm saying you know? is you can go into details about how cool the garrison you know, barracks are at your sci-fi mm-hmm. military base run by the UMSC and that these specific firearms are racked perfectly and always armed and that like, you know, at this time, you know, you can easily see the LED readouts and some of the firearms are not fully loaded because of the fight they just got back from. Great. That's fact. You're just setting facts. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with the story until one of the players says, I'm going to start looking at the firearms. OK, now you can start coming up with details. Sure. You sure. can start breaking things down. And I, I think it's important, too, that like um, I mean, you can you can establish certain things like this as world building. Mm-hmm. But then they just kind of become shorthand after that. You right. know, like next time you are in these marine barracks, you can be like, and of course, all of their weapons are perfectly racked like you've seen before and continue on. And they've already got that elaborate description of how meticulous these marines are about keeping their barracks and all of their equipment in, you know, complete pristine condition. Sure. Go into detail about that the first sure. time but after that it just becomes an attribute until it becomes important until becomes until important, you until yeah. those players roll a die and say okay somebody give me a perception check mm-hmm. uh you roll a die you notice that uh three of the helmets are missing along the top edge mm-hmm. why is that important well i think you remember last time it was in perfect order <sighs> So that's an important thing to the yes. story versus you listing off that it, it's just that as a description yeah. and like it should be just a normal thing. So case in point, Knox, yes. If 
if you are putting into description over describing something, you might be doing your players a disservice mm-hmm. in that they're thinking that that's a red herring. At a certain point, they're going to get bored too. Yeah, or they're going to think everything's a red herring. Yes, and yes, that's exactly. that's really where you want to you, you want to step back oh, from that. Case in point, the chair. Oh man. Oh man, there was this there was this this whole thing where uh, in Critical Role mm-hmm. uh, they described uh, he described this chair that was kind of it seemed out of place in the middle of this room that had been ransacked. And uh, like Matthew could not get the players to ex- stop. Like, it was just a chair. It was just a chair. Yeah. It was just to indicate that that maybe someone was sitting in there for a while working. Right. And he just added as a detail, but they were like, "Wait a minute, hold on. There's a chair in here. Tell us about the chair." And he's like, "It's just a chair." And they're like, "So is it like padded, or is there any? You know, do we look at the chair? Does it look like there's a sign of struggle? Was it just like thrown in here? Look, you just, ready? You ready? Just sitting. In I the immediately would have jumped on that." Uh-huh. I would have immediately – like if the players are interested in a chair, fine. I'll tell a whole damn story about that chair mm-hmm. and it's going to change the whole plot. Why? Because they're interested. <laughs> they're intrigued. Why not? No. See, this is – I think – Are you, you railroading? Were you, were you, no. Are no. you railroading? It's <laughs> It's not railroading. It's staying on track. There's a difference between the two. All right. Now, now we're getting into a fundamental problem. You ready? What's track for a player? All right. So here's my here's my thoughts on this. <laughs> we only get to play eight hours every month. I'm with you. Okay. Sure. I do not want to spend four of those hours examining a god's forsaken chair. Then don't. But don't give them something. If they are interested in an object, give them something from the object. It's a side quest. Do it. Let it run away. Get It gets them off the chair. But if you give them nothing, they'll keep digging. Giving them a quest connected to the chair. We're sure. getting we're getting so far off topic. No, no, this is who cares? Who cares? <laughs> I who cares? do. I do because there's a couple things I want to talk all about right, before we get to right, all right, we, we all gotta right, get to questions too. All right, we gotta get to questions. All right. So if you're gonna draw maps, I've got some tips for you. All right, do it. All right. So because I'm terrible at it, so I'm giving it to her. <laughs> first, th- first thing to think about is like climate zones. Okay, um, climate zones are a thing. Is your uh, there? There are four primary climate zones. There's tropical, mm-hmm. subtropical, temperate, yeah. and cold. Sure. Okay. We here in Michigan, we live in a temperate zone. Um, and as you get closer to the equator, you're going to get more tropical. As you get closer to the poles, you're going to get more cold. And yeah. So, uh, things to consider about where your lands fit within those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second thing you want to think about is relative, like, levels of fertility mm-hmm. of the area. Yep. Um, so typically, like, water sources are going to create fertile environments, you know, hence why, like, Egyptian culture cultures um, out in the desert built along the River Nile. Yep, makes because sense. Because it was the only place that they could get their shit to grow in mm-hmm. the Sahara Desert, you know. Um, so uh, think about that because your societies are going to usually pop up around there and such like that. It's also going to dictate to you where things like forests and swamps are going to be as opposed to things like deserts and badlands. Right. Okay. Third thing you're going to think about is topography. Okay. Um, mountains are going to occur generally in lines. Mm-hmm. Think about our own Rocky Mountains and uh, Appalachian Mountains. Yep. Um, how unless, they base, they're, unless they're craters. Well, unless they're craters, but right. but those aren't really th- – a, unless a crater is literally like the size of a continent, typically it's going to be more of a land feature than it, like something the size of a mountain range that's going to span 
possibly hundreds of miles. Right. You can also have erosion-based craters and erosion-based – Sure. Uh, like the Grand Canyon is yeah. a good example yeah. of mountains that aren't really mountains. Right. Yeah. Your water features will definitely erode things into mm-hmm. your into your features and whatnot like that. But to think about uh, think about that, you know, how like mountains occur – like your mountain ranges should diff- typically be lines. Mm-hmm. Um, water is going to flow downward in elevation. Mm-hmm. So things are going to come out of high areas like your mountains and flow into low areas and typically into your larger bodies of water until you hit the oceans. Right. Um, if you have those in your world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you kind of put all three of these things together. Your climate, your relative level of like fertility and, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Foliage and your topography uh, are all going to inform what biomes are going to be there. Um, biomes are basically your your sort of like archetypes for land. Uh, so forests, plains, deserts, swamps, all those sort of things. Um, and so, you know, if you've got a lowlands that has a lot of water in it and it's in a highly fertile area, you maybe you have a swamp there. Great. You know, if you have highlands that are very dry, maybe you've got some some plateaus, you know, some desert plateaus like, you know, New Mexico style sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Be creative. Yeah, and but to that degree, you've also got where people are going to be. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a military-style world where you might have forts and things like that, remember, view is important. Early on in, in early war, mm-hmm. view is everything. Yep. If you've got the high ground, you're winning. Yep. Because you can see them coming, you can prepare for them better, and you're, you, things fall really easily. Uh-huh. Things don't go up very easily. Archers yep. get lots of range from elevation. Yes, exceptional range. And, you know, you can just drop rocks. It has worked for years, mm-hmm. you know. Mass hurts. So, yeah, uh, so when, when you get your your uh, your uh, your topography all kind of laid out and stuff like that and you start putting settlements on your map, that's a great thing to keep in mind. Um, other thing to keep in mind, too, is natural choke points are great places for military yes. settlements. Yes. Uh, setting up... This is uh, the one mountain pass for 50 miles in either direction that you can get through here. So yep. guess what's here? A fucking fort. Well, you, you know, know, 300. Uh, yeah. You got to go through this to get past it, us. Exactly. You know? Exactly. There, there's a fort here now. Mm-hmm. Um, so on... But aside from that, uh, from from non military, from a civilian standpoint, um, your civilian settlements are typically going to be set up where they are were economically, uh, were economically or survivably viable. Um, so, for instance, uh, your pioneers went out into the world, however long ago, to settle set up the settlement, mm-hmm. and there's going to be, um, uh, you know, they found that this was a rich, fertile land. This was the only place that they could build because nothing grew anywhere else. So their survivability depended upon them creating a settlement here. Yes. Okay. Um, so if you do have something that makes excellent farmland or something like that, bam, put a settlement in it. Um, or economically viable. And this means putting things in ports. Yeah. Putting things along rivers. Mm-hmm. Or putting things at major crossroads. Yeah. You've got your your settlements, but usually what follows settlements is commerce. Mm-hmm. So in the same regard, sometimes settlements were pushed by commerce yep. where you've got trade people who are trying to set up a settlement so that they can continue to trade, you know, and move farther on, you know, and in that you definitely have that kind of push, which is its own form of, I would say, uh, military style i mean you could definitely do that with 
um, our own history and say that traders were a major portion of of the uh, of the English uh, takeovers mm-hmm. and settlements that they set up. You know, so as they expanded their trade empire, you know, it produced a very large settlement base that yep. came out of that. Um, so think about who's doing this. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, people don't just send people for no good reason. Right. right. People don't like owning land for no good reason. Mm-hmm. They send people to a new land either because, A, they don't want them here anymore. You know, they're they're literally <laughs> they're- prisoners getting shipped away. Exiled, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. You know, or – And then you get Australia. Exactly, which can happen. Mm-hmm. Or you find – you send people to find what's available once it's been discovered of like, yeah, there's value here. Now we're going to settle because we want to own that value. Right. We want to – We, we want to own it. We want to control it and correct. we want to bring it back to the motherland or whatever. Right. We so want everyone else here to have it as well. Yes. You know, and so that's where you have to think about why. Mm-hmm. That's where that why for the people uh, – why you're doing it. So then yeah. it, it – again, just have it make sense. Yep. Absolutely. So – so in, in and again, you don't have to create you know all your cultures and stuff of like that off the off the bat, but just look at places that you do create on your map and just start thinking like, okay, well, you know, there's a mountain pass maybe here, maybe there's a village along the river there. Yeah. Oh, this this little inlet right here would make an interesting place to put a port city. Right. You know, and those are all very sound places to put them. Um. Honestly, I think that's about it. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I think I've got on here is just uh, talking about uh, you know don't be afraid to break the rules with your geography as well. No doubt. Um, you know, do it if it makes sense. Uh, so big ways like you know, like I said earlier, having a you know huge desert in the middle of a verdant jungle, uh, maybe because there's some sort of necrotic force that lurks beneath the surface of your world that you know caused a huge dead spot in the middle of your jungle. Or, I don't know. I mean, the other thing that you can get at is like um. Where you've got uh, world events that have changed. For instance, Mm -hmm. yeah, your world might be a little different, but that might be because like we assume that we have our world with a, you know, moon that orbit it, you know, orbits it. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have what we have. There's nothing to say that your world couldn't have been more screwed up and you've actually got an asteroid belt around it, a disk. Uh And that disk changes the entire topography of what you think is normal. Places where it's in shade 24-7 is actually frozen. And that's like not even at the equator because, again, that disk would cover a huge section, right? Yeah. So there might be a 50-mile swath that's literally ice in between two jungles because the sun beats right through, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you've got two suns. So you have, you know... 28 hours of sunlight and then darkness, partial darkness, like red darkness for a mm-hmm. while and then golden darkness for another while, you know. So you have these different settings that can produce very different biomes. But again, let them make sense for why they're like that. Yeah. So. Uh, you can do smaller, more stylistic changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so take a normal biome, like a forest, and make it crystal trees. Sure. Uh, or mountains that reach so high that like large chunks of them literally float because they're in the upper atmosphere or something. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. You can do whatever you want. The atmosphere is that thing. Wow, that'd be interesting. Or no, that the, I, I know. It's or, not or, scientifically sound. Well, but no, you know. but also scientifically sound isn't like half the world got chewed away. Yeah. You know, so you're on this weird orbital axis with chunks of the earth that are literally just, just not there. Yep. You know, on the other side of the earth seems to be doing – Okay, but because of that gravitational shift, now you have 
this this odd atmosphere where it's actually thinner in certain areas mm-hmm. and totally frozen plains at a certain altitude, you yep. know. Yeah, I, I could totally see it where there's no oxygen even, you know. Um, and, and the last thing is, uh, you know, just various uh, variations on your archetypical biomes. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, so instead of a desert, salt flats. Um, you know, instead of a jungle or instead, instead of a forest, just make it make it a jungle. You know, maybe it's a rainforest. Uh, instead of uh, swamps, make them sulfurous hot springs. You know, something a little more rare with a little more pizzazz, but still not out of the realm of uh, out of the realm of possibility. Um. I think that's really all I've got to say on geography. Go out there and do your best. Yeah, just you have know? fun with it. Just have fun. Because right. at the end of the day, your players are going to remember the stories they told in the land. Exactly. Far more than they're going to remember the map. All right, questions? Yeah. Let's okay, see first things off, Illy May, Mad Elf, we'll be back to your questions, we promise. Next week. Next week, we're going to hit those. Next week, because they are history gonna... questions, and oh, ho, ho, are we going to talk about history? Yes. All right. But all right. we do have other questions. Uh, so, Overwatch. Uh, dragon. Uh, the dragons of Dragonlands, the powers of chaos and Warhammer, White Walkers in Song of Ice and Fire. Is there one standout supernatural something that really helps to define a particular setting? Have you used something like that in your own campaign? Um. Ooh, I mean, I I, I think probably my go to answer. Um, both because I'm a huge fangirl and because I'm currently running an Elder Scrolls game right mm-hmm. now is going to be the daedra okay uh, i really like the daedra i find them intriguing i find the whole cosmology of the elder scrolls universe very intriguing and uh i, I think i like having like meddlesome gods that lurk on the outskirts of our world mm-hmm. um constantly trying to push their own archetype into uh, into mortal society because they're bored mm-hmm and they like toying with us, mm-hmm. and some of them don't like the fact that they were like locked out of, you know, being able to interact with us. So Interesting. Okay. Okay. You know, I uh, I I liked and disliked all at the same time what I did in my D anD D game with the orbs of power. Oh yeah. I yeah, created yeah. magical orbs uh, that effectively were these uh, crystals. Uh, Nexus of energy. Yeah, they were yeah. just of a certain type, whether it was Nexuses, aberration or uh, or conjuration Nexies. or <laughs> yeah, uh, probably one of those. Uh, and basically, when you were near one, uh, the magic potential of that type became uh, verdantly strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big one was they. Uh, uh, orbs of law were the big ones that I pushed in, which was that uh, anything being done in a lawful way or by ways of law were almost enforced. So people in towns basically just followed the law, mm-hmm. whatever the law was, because it was the lawful thing to do. They were impassioned to do it. They didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, you had these justicars who would kind of roam the roads, like almost like sheriffs. And help people like, oh, you're getting near the city. That's this town. These are the laws within that town. Be aware of it. And really what they were doing was they were prepping you for that when you got in there, you knew what was lawfully right to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing was there were other orbs that they didn't really tell people about like orbs of conjuration and abjuration and evocation, which definitely had other power sets aligned mm-hmm. to them. And that caused a lot of 
turmoil in the world. I need to get my hands on Norbivivacation for yeah, reasons unknown. Uh, so yeah, that was one of the things that I liked, <laughs> but at the same time, it made it challenging. But I, I basically set the rules for it very simple mm-hmm. uh, and stuck to those rules as much as I could. And uh, the players did use them a few times to some serious destruction. Uh, <laughs> so, Whoops. Whoopsie. whoopsie. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like a lot of different worlds um, for a lot of different reasons. I think the one that sticks out the most for me um, in a setting is uh, Shadowrun. And I think it's the Mega Corps. Yeah, the Mega Corps are very cool. It's such a yeah. neat design. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple thing that you – that's just an extrapolation of our own world. But yeah. It carries so much for that setting, mm-hmm. so much, and it changed so much in that setting. Because um, without them in that setting, if they weren't, if, if the rules and what they were weren't how they interact, and they, you would be no need for a Johnson. Yeah, you'd have a very different situation. Yeah. So they create the world in such a a hard way, uh, but leave so much available mm-hmm. to play with. So I, that's one of the things I really like. I really like that. So, mm-hmm. all right, we got more. All right, so Knox in a Box asks. Oh my god, that's a long question. Uh, this, is, this is a bit of a long question. Uh, right, says, Thanks for writing. A storyteller's natural impulse is to build a flawless system for their world, uh, which aren't going to be perfect. They will be flawed, which your players will recognize and possibly expect. The question is, do we let the world have its flaws naturally, or should we design them intentionally in an effort to create realism by leaving room for systems to fail uh, by not being so definite and more loose or great. Basically, should the world system focus more on potential rather than actuality? Uh, for example, perhaps is Hogwarts sorting hat uh, house characteristic system. Oh, so uh, kind of like how in Harry Potter's world, there are only four types of kids, brave, mm-hmm. ambitious, smart, and other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, and hungry, is that? <laughs> hungry, I guess, yeah. Friendly? Friendly? Helpful? I'm not sure. But I mean uh, – but at the same time, that, that definition is loose. It's meant to be flawed. Yeah. I mean it, if you really look at that, there were definitely people in each one of the houses that were jerks. Mm-hmm. There were definitely odd, helpful people in houses that you didn't necessarily think, but they were doing it in a cunning way. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a flawed system, but it's – I wouldn't say it's flawed by design. It's just flawed in the way that it was built yeah i mean literally the world opened itself up to its own flaws because you had uh you the question came up like why are kids even taking this crap from you know from this type of a school when they're clearly smarter and should be able to leave and sure shit kids will and they did the weasley brothers just left school yeah yeah you know and were destructive about it so again i think you set the world Without the idea of flaws, but you have to do it from the perspective of your world builders. So, for instance, if there's a king and his whole thing is to get resources from this area and hold it, it's going to be very military strong. He's not going to be thinking about the economy. And your players may exploit that. Mm -hmm. They may do something silly. They may just join his guard, you know, or convince him that they can defend things better and then, you know. Step off to the side and be like, yeah, you uh, – we said we were going to defend this, but in fact, uh, we're not. Right, right. And, we're uh, bandits now. We're bandits actually <laughs> and we just stole all your shit. Oh my god. You know, leverage kind of crap. Yeah. So don't – I wouldn't think that you need to set up any flaws. The world will be flawed on its own, but I, I think those flaws are inherent in everyone's design. Uh, I mean 
as usual, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I, th- I, th- I think I'm probably becoming known for this quote. I'm of two minds about it. That's fine. Um, I, I think on one hand, yeah, I think uh, yeah, there's going to be flaws. They're just they're they're just going to come out during gameplay. Um, you know, like Rob was just talking about. Yep. But at the same time, I mean, I have outright designed flaws into things. Sure. Because it makes for a dramatic story. You know, people aren't perfect. People aren't going to create perfect systems. But if it's important to the story, I think definitely yes. Yeah, and or or not even not even necessarily that it's that it's important to the story, but that it's a world building aspect that could create story. It's okay. not story in and of itself. Sure. It's just that you know this is a say a uh, theocratic society mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, heavily focuses on worshiping this one god in this one way to the exclusion of all others. And that has brought them, you know, an economic downturn because their faith does not allow them to do this one particular thing, which would be very advantageous for them, but they, sure. they, but they rebuke it. Right. You know, I mean, that's obviously a flaw. Right. It's, it, it, it did. It's it's a it's an ingrained inflexibility that is causing harm to their society, and it's not necessarily a story because there's not players in it. There's not an outcome to it. It's just a thing that exists. This society is built this way. Sure, do with it what you want. That's just how the pieces are set on the board. From there, you mm-hmm. could have story that emerges. If your right. players begin to interact with it, if they begin to try to push society in one way or another, they're going to see the inflexibility as people push back on them as, you know, you're, you're trying to tell me to turn against my god or whatever. Um, maybe they do end up convincing them to change their ways, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Whatever. You can come up with whatever stories you want. But I think I, I'm a big believer that good stories come from flaws. Um, Rob has seen several of my characters in the past across several game systems, mm-hmm. and you know that that's usually where I start building my characters is with flaws. Oh, no. I think flaws in characters are a great idea. Um, I usually say my, my character fits this archetype, but they're messed up in this way. Right, right. And that's going to be my struggle. Okay. You know, um, and, you know, for for instance, uh, Ravana, we were yep. just talking about your world yep. and uh, your the, the the mountains and stuff that you put in there. Uh, my character in that world is the uh, uh, is a a uh, mountain guide and a frost wizard essentially. Yep. Um, and she's just an old country. She's a, she's a young country girl, mm-hmm. and she sees things very very black and white. Mm-hmm. But that's her flaw. Yeah. You know, I I know that. I know the fact that Ravana sees things in a very black and white manner. There's only good. And only evil. Mm-hmm. All undead fall into the evil thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking to a ghost, you're probably colluding with evil. Okay. That's just her simple outlook enough. on life That's because simple. she learned that undead were bad. Yeah. No, That I, I, I think that flaws for characters do a great job. I think that uh, to continue with what you're saying, when you're doing it in world building, mm-hmm. keep it simple. Not everyone's a genius in world building. Yeah. And a lot of people – I mean I, I would say that most people are not heroic and are not smart enough to do really smart th- – to do unique and perfect things. Mm-hmm. And I think some people who get too smart tend to lose sight. They get blinders. Yeah. They get smart to an area uh, and uh, funny enough – funny enough. I'll, I'll throw this in before we move on. OK. Um, I was watching a video of Everyday Astronaut, uh, the guy who does Everyday Astronaut, uh, talking to Elon Musk. And one of the things that he was talking about with a new uh, spacecraft uh, was that uh, they 
would he worked on helping them simplify mm-hmm. because you can if you don't ask the question why I need to follow the specification, mm-hmm. you might not ever fix the actual you might not be able to find a better solution mm-hmm. you know because it's everybody like I'm building this nut and this is the specification, so you have to build a screw that fits this nut. And then that guy's, okay, well, this bolt hole needs to be this big because this is the size of the screw going through it. And that means this plate has to be this thick because this, you know. So you go back to the first guy. Well, why did you build a nut to that specification? Oh, it's what we had available. And you just literally designed everything based on that first nut. Because it was just completely And probably there's some guy at the far end who's trying to make sure everything works perfectly and is literally doing engineering and super math and everything to get the weight down. And it's taking him hours to design this flawless thing and then he real then everybody just says no scrap it that's too challenging let's not do it that way mm-hmm. let's do it this way and so they literally did that they built that huge carbon fiber uh thing to be able to build to build a whole carbon fiber rocket mm-hmm. and they're like whoa whoa whoa! why are we doing this this literally every time we do this we have to redesign another thing can we do this out of stainless steel yeah is stainless steel cheaper yeah can we just use stainless steel Oh, yeah, it's got great properties. Let's just go stainless steel then. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to scrap all that design work we did. Why? Because it's the smart thing to do. Sometimes yeah. you have to do that. Yep. And so it takes a lot of intelligence, group intelligence, to watch that process and stop it and fix it. And that doesn't happen most times. Yeah. Most times it is a dumb thing that happens. Mm-hmm. We need to block off this dam, get a bunch of boulders. We're going to put this all in here. Uh, we'll use some mortar. We'll lock it in. That should take care of everything. Did anybody remember that we have tremors every summer? <laughs> no. No. Exactly. So just remember that tends to be, you know, designed by committee. So yeah. uh, uh, and just to just to answer your, your question, Knox, uh my uh, he writes, thanks. uh Mike, my concern is uh crossing every T and dotting every I makes the world too perfect and unrealistic, so don't try to build the perfect system. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to. No, no. Uh, you're you're one person and you're trying to write a whole story and this this thing is your systems are just uh, parts of it. So you're going to have flaws. Allow yourself to have flaws. Sure. Forgive yourself for them right now and yeah. uh, just try to roll with them and improv around them. Yep. Come up for reasons why their flaws are there and tell your story around them. All right. Make for interesting storytelling. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Technolich. Uh, when it comes to starting from scratch with geography, do you find it more valuable to start with larger items than move towards specifics or start with well-defined nugget and build it into uh, build into it? Um, both. Yeah, you can make an argument for either. Both. Honestly, it really depends on what type of story you're trying to tell. Yeah, it also. I I, I guess for me, if I'm starting, I I rarely start from a geographical sense in my headspace. But now that I think about it more so, um, it's chicken or egg for me. Like, what's my story? Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll come up like this time it's going to be romance. Sometimes I'm thinking about the world, mm-hmm. and so I might draft some ideas about the world. But everything is going to be a light sketch, everything, mm-hmm. and I'm I will erase and rebuild and and do things multiple times. Um, but more of the times than not, everything will be very blurry beyond what the players are going to see for the first. I would say five sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will think about. Five sessions out. If they literally – this session did this and then immediately follow the train to this session, then immediately follow the train to this session, and then immediately – how far will they go? What will they see? What will they need to field and interact with? So and you, at that you point, start with a well-defined nugget and then build around it. So you're I would like, say we're that, starting in this town, so I'm going to define the hell out of this town, 
And then five game sessions later when they're like, we're going to leave the town. OK, well, now I need to figure out what's out there. Kind of. And I, if yeah. I'm going to do the world building, I'm going to say, do you see mountains from where you're at? Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel cold? You know, things like that. Like how and but all that is going to be on a piece of scratch paper made in pencil yeah. with just little little jots like, OK, there's some mountains up here. There's some of this over here. There's some, And a lot of that will be filled on by. When my players are creating their characters, okay, where are they from? Mm-hmm. What do they know? And then that's all that's all gray light sketches. Unless everybody was born and raised in that town, I need to have gray sketches everywhere else to yep. say this is what we know in somewhat. I've I've done it both ways. Yeah. Uh I've uh, I've um, my own homebrew campaign uh, was started off uh, with geography. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of sketched in the whole world and then kind of refined that down to, OK, what are the kingdom boundaries around here? And Fair. Uh, then, OK, which, what what do each one of these kingdoms do and what are they – You know, how do they interact with each other and stuff like that? OK, now where's the capital city and where are the societies and stuff like that? Um, I, I've, I've done it that way uh, and I think it was moderately successful. At least as a first sort of experiment, um, but I think nowadays, yeah, I, I I tend to start with a well-defined nugget and build out from there. So I I kind of agree with Rob. It really depends on the story you're telling. Right. All right. Now we're back to Knox. And we're our... back to Knox. Uh oh. Uh oh. My tablet's doing crazy things. All right. Here we go. Uh, is there a pre-preferred world-building order that best helps for creation of your geography, or does that depend on your story you're trying to tell? For example, you're writing a pantheon first. If you're going to tell stories of how God's shaped or where believers shaped the land, or maybe you were writing history first to explain the world that was shaped by centuries of events perpetrated by life forms, trends, magics of the world. Really all depends. Oh, God, yeah. yeah I mean, if you're, if you're planning on building an epic campaign that's mm-hmm. made up of multiple stories – you want a world. Mm-hmm. And I think in that sense, you need history. You need other things. And I think it's based upon your muse. Yeah. Like what's driving you about that story is going to determine yeah. where your start point. So I don't think a who, what, when, where, or why mm-hmm. has a specific start point. I think it's up to you what's your muse point is. Which one of those is your muse? Are you are you really concerned about the people right now? Like what are the people doing? There's this king mm-hmm. and he's yeah. in this control. OK. Now I've got my start point and literally the ripples move out from there. OK. Where? Where is this king? Mm-hmm. How is this king starting interacting? with Romeo and Juliet. But what if Montague and Capulet were warlords? Exactly. That each owned half of a kingdom. What would that do to the landscape? OK. Now let's come up with the reasons for that happening. And what what does the landscape look like? And, right, right. You know, et cetera, et cetera. You you radiate out from that. Yeah. So you're starting with your who. Yeah. Whereas know? I will give you a different one in Savage World mm-hmm. that Chris used. Um, he started from the moon broke. Yeah. Here's the world. Yeah. The world as we know it today, contemporary. The moon was shattered. Oh crap! What did that do to our planet? And it changed everything. Mm-hmm. And from that, he remolded the world yep. and said, okay, well, there's this type of race of this and this type of race of this and this is why and these are the things here and these are gods. Mm-hmm. You know, what's a god? Maybe it's an AI. Don't right. know. Yeah. You know, and so all of these things are parts of his world that was created post-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So the important part in his story for world building or probably amused to that world building is the apocalyptic event, and that's what changed everything. So 
I think it's about your muse point and then go from your muse and ripple out from there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no wrong way to do it. Um, But uh, I definitely think that's a a more fun way. And you'll definitely ripple back in. Changes will be made. Sure. um, In the world building and then, you know, setting, world building, story Mm -hmm. or story, world building, setting or story setting world building i mean that's all different as well Mm -hmm. so you know but that gets into a much deeper discussion about how you feel about that center point what started this whole thing right 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 and and keeping in mind too um you know your world building may may take a backseat to everything else you know i mean there's some people who sketch out elaborate whole worlds with you know maps and all the everything mapped out before they ever Ask players to sit at their table and play in that world. You know what they're called? Wizards Writers. of the Coast. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. Well, basically, I mean, seriously. Um, but you know, but but there are people who do that. Yeah, and and that's and that's great. Um, there, it's, it's certainly attack you can take. Yeah. Uh, but there are also you know, like I said, like Dungeon World tells you leaves blank spots on the yeah. map. World building is specifically in Dungeon World, put in the back seat. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that that's literally the last step. Like, first you come up with a story. Second, we make characters to put in that story. Third, we figure out where that story takes place. Yep. And we also kind of figure that out along the way from the seat of our pants with the input of our players. Right. So, you know, d- depends on your setting, depends on your, on your muse point. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, you could really do it a lot of different ways. Yeah, so either way, have fun with it. Mm-hmm. So next week's topic is history. History. And I almost feel like it's going to be kind of the same sort of discussion. Yeah. It's going to be less about what you need to write and more about what you don't need to write. Yeah. And so I I kind of want some direction out of this from the people who are listening. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening to us live, thank you so much. Um, Think about some questions you want to throw. Don't write them up there yet because I want to put a marker in our chat so that I know where our break point is for this. Uh, But get some ideas flowing about what things about history, what questions you have about history. We have some out there, which we are going to answer. We we, have put you off for like three we weeks. We put you off for now. three we, weeks. We Your understand. questions will be answered in the story. We love you. We see you. You are so valid. You are part of this world. Um, you're part of our history. This will happen. Uh, but throw some questions at that because we kind of need a direction because there's a lot that we could talk about and there's mm-hmm. so much that I started watching and I literally had to stop yeah. because you can – lore is such a – a challenging part of history and mm-hmm. it is its own thing in history. It really is. Um, so, and then you have stuff like pre-existing worlds where you have to figure out where you are. Seven C does a good job of that mm-hmm. where it's like, you're at this point in time when you play. Yep. You work. And then when you're done and you start a new one, you come back to that point. Aberrant, that's where Adventure, play. Trinity, yeah. all the, the Aeon verse games, they do the exact same thing. Like aberrant yep. takes place here. Yeah. <laughs> Adventure is 1928. Yeah. Period. Right. <laughs> you know. You know, but you things like Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. or 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 Faroon or Elder Scrolls. Elder you know Scrolls. How long, how oh, long it took us to figure how long it took me to figure out just where I wanted to set our game chronologically, let alone yeah. physically? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. There's just so much. Yeah. So anytime when you've got massive lore, you start running those risks. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll definitely get into it, but figure out what kind of questions you really want to ask about history. And we may not get a lot. And if we don't, we're going to have some fun with it. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, we've got ideas for our next, excuse me, few shows. Uh, but uh, we'll get to those. I think we're going to have some fun. I think you yeah. guys will enjoy it. And we, we do plan on doing something for, for Halloween. We'll have some fun with that too. So, All right. So 
once we've got uh, we've got that, I think we are we're just about ready, Kate. I think we we've got two we've got like one to two minutes. Wow, one um, to two minutes. Geez. All right, anybody got a quick question on the live chat show? Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. You got like a minute. Yeah, come on, Knox. You're on the spot. Do, 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 what do we got? Do, 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 Overwatch. Come on, hit me with something. Do, do, Anything. Uh oh, Knox in a box is Uh-oh. typing. Oh, heatsink is oh. typing. Why though? Why though? Why? Oh, nice, nice. We see this. We see this. All right, because. what do we got? Because always, always for treats. That's right. That's right. Come on now. You got to have something, guys. Come on, give us something. Anything. This is why live chat is available. Dead air. It's terrible. No. Don't make me do ASMR. I see. I see everybody typing. I see. I like it's. Like, they're typing too much. That's we, we kind of we kind of put them on the spot. We though. totally did. We totally should have like preempted this with something. You guys are losing your time. Oh, uh oh, uh oh. If Mister Goodwrench was a tool, what type of tool would he be? Uh oh. Well, not just a wrench because no. he's a good wrench. Miter saw. I'm sorry. We were looking for miter saw. Too slow. Too slow. Yeah. Where do you guys like dropping characters and shit? Where do I? Where? Where? Uh, I guess where I usually do towns. Yeah, I usually do towns. I usually do major cities. But I'm starting to change my mind on that because I think I might start doing more chaotic settings where you're like, you find yourself on the edge of a crag. You're fighting your way up it to ogres who are above you, (laughs) you know, while being chased by something south of you. Why though? Go. (laughs) (laughs) Why though? (laughs) So next Next to to volcanoes volcanoes, holding your guest NPC. There you go. There you go. Yes. Uh, you uh, know, oh, handling, oh, handling guest NPCs. That's a, that's guest a big PCs? topic. Oh, that's, oh, that's a whole thing. That's, we'll do that. Yeah, All that's... right. Go run us. Go run us. All uh, right. We're right. running out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave. You can find us on Instagram as well at ST underscore Conclave. And uh, our Discord link is not only up a pinned tweet on our Twitter feed, but it's also in each one of our uh, episode descriptions on your favorite podcast software. So go ahead and click on that. Join us in the Discord, and please, by all means, uh, shoot us some questions on there. We love having this sort of discussion with our uh, uh, with our, 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 our listeners. And our Patreon members, like Knox in the Box, who just chatted with us through the whole show, along with Overwatch and everyone else. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Guifrog. Guifrog. Guifrog, uh, who we found. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. We'll put up his link so you can find his music, too. Outro music, which you're listening to now, is Only in Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Uh, Carrie Washington is the actual artist there. Uh, you can find her on freemusicarchive.org. Uh, we record at Podcast Detroit. Uh, find them at podcastdetroit.com or at podcastdetroit on Twitter. Our engineer's Kate. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you, Kate. And our families, Vicky and Sean, thank you so much uh, for, for supporting us and putting up with us as we do this Wednesday night for Wednesday night. All of our friends have sat with us at our tables throughout the years, and you, our listeners, we love you. Thank you. Good night, guys. Good night.